It's the 7th of December. Welcome to the Soccer in Theory podcast with Rehan Ahmed and Mark Jay. I'm Ashwin Bajaj and together we will be discussing the events coming out of the World Cup and look towards the quarterfinals. You can follow us on the Soccer in Theory podcast, available both on Apple and Spotify and also on our website, soccerintheory.com. Guys, I know we're itching to discuss the week's events and also the four matches that um, uh, are going to, well, Friday and Saturday over here. But before that, um, a lot of these World Cups have players who are relatively unknown and then they give a really good performance and then that sort of, their career takes off in a sense. James Rodriguez in 2014 is one of the examples I have in mind. Yesterday, just a few hours ago, um, you have Gonzalo Ramos literally replacing the old man, um, you know, scoring three goals. Um, and and um, what do you guys think? Did, did, what, what sort of names sprang out of this cup for you over the past two or three weeks? Um, for me, uh, the U.S. comes to mind most. I think they're the, either the youngest or the second youngest team in the tournament. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Yunus Musa, obviously, because he's, I think he's 20. I mean, he's known to those that have seen him a bit at Valencia and, and, and La Liga. But I think this was kind of his bursting onto the the world stage. I didn't think he had a particularly good, um, good game um, relative to the standards he'd set. Uh, earlier in the tournament against Netherlands, he was he was at fault um, in some in some of the um, play, but um, yeah, obviously, um, really good tournament. He definitely has a bit of like I think I was saying with Ryan, a bit of Renato Sanchez in him. Um, really, yeah, really exciting. The, the, and in terms of, um, I don't, I'm not sure there is a James Rodriguez uh, of this tournament. I think James Rodriguez. He was a was an oddity, um, mm. in, in that in that he scored such a spectacular goal, the one off the chest, the volley from what 30, 35 yards out. But um, in terms of a disappointment uh, round, might disagree. But um, Pedri and Gavi, um, I th- I thought um, not they wouldn't have burst onto the scene, but they're known entities. They've been discussed. And they got to play in the Barcelona midfield three with Busquets. And I don't think they were at fault necessarily, um, but neither one really did anything to um, um, right. really announce themselves, especially Gavi. I mean, he, he won the best player, the best young player of the, of the, of the year award coming into the tournament. And I, I personally, I don't know if my eye test is, um, is a valid metric, but, I don't think he really did much to impress me the entire tournament. He's full of energy. He's running around. He's tackling people. But he's also, um, I don't think, anything near like the Xavi Iniesta comparisons that are made between the two of them or anything. I don't think they're, they're reaching anything like that standard. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a disappointment, um, obviously, to see Spain crashing out. Um, uh, yeah, what do you think, Ron? Yeah, in terms of young players, I think most of the ones who performed have been known uh, entities like we talked 
about the 20 year olds last time and Jude Bellingham put in a performance and a half against uh, <laughs> Senegal. Uh, that Elastico at the beginning of the second half gets on the left wing and just doesn't Elastico and, and, yeah, 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 and I was yeah. like, you're this, this is, <laughs> un, you're too comfortable right now. This is too easy for you. So that was nice. Um, although, uh, yeah, talking about the U S and the Netherlands, I think you're right that Yunus Musa had a great, tournament he's had a good year for valencia um and which was nice because he didn't have such a great year last time around and so he had a good season and it's built on that um and i think that u.s midfield uh, is uh, was was just very good overall they just broke down against the netherlands if you want to talk about that game um as far as the dutch just, just, were, just one yeah. before we talk about the game. Okay, so let, let me just that that question just pose it slightly differently. A lot of these like Kudus, Gapko, Enzo, mm. um, Gonzalo Ramos, they're either from the Dutch league or the Portuguese league, not well known. Do you think they would have earned themselves like Bellingham, Pedri, Javi? They're already in big leagues, yeah. and Bellingham's been you know touted to go to United you know, for. I, do you I think, think any that, of them would these performances the would have earned them a big move? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that you you guys point to the right example in James as the last of a. I don't think that that happens anymore at World Cups. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, last time, was, scouting has gotten a lot better, and since 2014, and I think no one's taking that risk anymore. Even the players from the Argentine league that just kind of stay there for a little longer than they used to. Like Alvarez is a good example. Um, he was a known entity for a long time before like two solid years, like four transfer windows or something before city got him, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe partly it is this youth movement worldwide where people, players are just moved up and successful and brought up to physical pace with the highest level in their domestic league more often whether it, that domestic league is Argentina, Brazil, whatever. But uh, but with whatever the reason, I think now you won't be... Like, Kudus is a good example. He played well in the Champions League already this season uh, for Ajax, even though Ajax got thrashed once or twice. Um, and so he's coming in, and everyone knows him already. Now, mm-hmm. what's interesting is this different setting and doing it on, on such a big stage, maybe that does solidify um, right. that... Like that ability, doing it in a different context, there is a value to that, but I don't think it's um, earning a move that wasn't already on the cards. Wait, Ryan, Cody Gapo int- is interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say, let me ask you a question. Yeah? yeah? Let me ask you a question because I was thinking as you were saying this in terms of um, less and less players coming out um, out of the woodworks. Is it like, um, is there a like a, an economic correlate? Like I was thinking of, that kind of sh- shitty book, the the Empire, which I read, like the D and G, and they were like, there is no outside, you know. That's like their point. There is no outside. Is it like there is no outside? Is there less of an outside to like the gaze of the top European scouts than there was ten years ago, or is that like not their point? <laughs> the scouts you know Panopticon. Yeah. No, I'm saying like, is yeah, it, yeah. are there still players in these uh, marginal no, countries? It, I- Surveillance is an interesting way of looking at it. I think like this, it, it is kind of this global surveillance for uh, to serve a different end, like to order a world football through even things like football manager had a role to play in this, the way that st- stats are co- collected. And, you know, there, there were for a while teams 
like smaller clubs were looking at into football manager at their scouting methods and things. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah. that is a, a big difference. A availability of a video as well. And right, like right, right now, if you want to look at second division, third division in England or Spain, you, you need just an ESPN, you know, uh, account. You don't need anything. Sorry, right. you're saying. No, and that's one of the things which, like, uh, Wenger, he used to do this, right? He was one of the, he used to have eyes in a lot of places and he had a knack right. for picking out talent. It's the unfortunate thing, <laughs> the way the market works. Everyone learns of your innovation and um, soon enough. And, and that's why he sort of lost his edge. Edge in terms of just being the first person to do it. You know, now everyone has scouts everywhere. Just to return it's, to I... one... Sorry, sorry, go on. Uh, I was just going to say, I read your point is well taken, but even I read Wenger's, uh, you know, biography, which was disappointing, very disappointing. But um, it's all just seemed so informal the way he was talking about signing these guys. He was just like, yeah, like the manager, like Vieira, he's like, yeah, like his boss called me, like, I had to sign him, told me I got this guy, I had to sign him. So, yeah, I took a look. He was, like, unbelievable, and I signed him. And, you know, whereas now it seems like there has to be scouts on all over these guys since they're – like you mentioned Alvarez, man. I think I was hearing the commentary at some game uh, in the Prem before just saying that the European teams were on this guy since he was, like, early teenage years, if not before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it changes. That's a good point. Like two points there. I guess the more important one is River Plate, where Alvarez came from. That we used to be uh, Santos, Corinthians, River Plate. Even in the earlier two thousands, when they had like Robinho at Santos and Diego at mm -hmm. Santos, like it was those guys were getting playing time at those clubs and then getting sold on for uh, huge fees. But now they're getting poached when they're young. And so exactly. those clubs, I think, have changed their policy in terms of who's going to play. So, like, you uh, you watch River Plate now, and the Uruguayan central midfielder, Nelson De La Cruz, who I think is fantastic, he's, like, 25 years old, and he's their starting center midfielder. He's holding it down, and they, they've lost players like Alvarez and a bunch of other guys recently. So mm -hmm. um, I think some of these players who are younger are just leaving earlier and not starring at these uh, right. the clubs like they used to. Instead, you have Flamengo sort of signing David Luiz and playing, you know, older heads. By the way, just... Uh, uh, sorry, go on, Mark. No, you go ahead, Asha. I, I just had that, you know, just one point, and I, I know we're itching to talk about the, the matches as well, but just one point to make to what Mark said, Pedri and Gavi, and when comparing them to Iniesta and Javi... Iniesta and Javi weren't expected at 18 and 20 to master midfield. That's the only thing I'll say in defense <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with your assessment of their performances in this World Cup, but you, like Iniesta was 26 in the 2010 World Cup. You know, it wasn't like he was suddenly, you know, supposed to lead Spain. to. That's that's the only thing I'll say for them, which um, yeah. in their defense. But yeah, um, go on, you were saying. No, fair point. I mean, do you do you want to talk about um, the the U.S. Netherlands game? Because I, I I had some thoughts. I know we had like a text exchange on it, and there there was I, my initial thought going into the game was that the U.S. was going to po pose like very significant problems for the Dutch. It's a fairly mediocre Dutch team. We talked about like 
you know, aside from De Jong, the, 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 the other midfielders aren't up to the usual standard. Okay, Gapko is a very dynamic midfielder. But, you know, um, but I thought Van Gaal pulled out a masterclass. Um, I thought it absolutely stymied the U.S. Um, it, tactically um, in allowing the U.S. basically to come forward and ceding possession to them and saying, okay, we, we don't want um, to allow you to play on the break and the transition, and that's the only areas where you're going to be able to hurt us. And the U.S. looked, okay, they missed the early chance. Like Pulisic is going to is going to um, he's going to have nightmares about that the chance he got in that first ten minutes, five minutes of the game, um, where he, I mean he's not really renowned for his finishing, but it it, it could have been a, a very different game if he slotted that in. But after that, it, the U.S. just had a lot of difficulty breaking breaking them down. Um, and I think personally, that's the kind of the theme for the tournament is we're seeing, right, we're into the quarterfinals. So there's eight teams left. I would say seven of them are basically, uh, you know, expected to have gotten there um, or, or in and about there. Um, Morocco is probably the only surprise. And aside from a few of the matches, it hasn't necessarily just been that these top teams are dominating. It's just that they have a certain um, class um, in front of goal, they have a certain quality in front of goal, um, which like the U.S. clearly doesn't have. Um, and a lot of these games could have gone uh, very differently um, if the team, the you know, the team that eventually got eliminated, just could have converted their chances. I mean, that was a theme early on in the tournament too, when Canada lost to to Belgium. I mean, they they had endless amount of chances, but they just don't have the technical ability right in front of goal, or the composure, or the luck, if you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. But it just seems. Um, that the U.S. did not have um, what it took to beat. It wasn't necessarily that low of a block, but um, Netherlands were pretty condensed. And it was just very clear, you know, especially for the Netherlands opening goal, it was, it was such quality slicing that slicing apart. It was almost like a training pitch move. And that quality is something that, like, separates, like, an American. I think that's something that will take – that's not something – I don't know if Ryan will disagree, but that seems like that a move like that is something that will, will take us another 20 years to be able to, to, to put together. I mean, we have the energy in the midfield, but putting that front well, line together. Think, yeah, I, what do you think? I, I think more specifically, like what was happening there with, you're right, the U.S. doesn't have a nine. And the issue really was, this is some place, one place where I think for a halter who's made uh, like I said last time, he's made a bunch of sensible decisions and I didn't like him before. So I was surprised <laughs> and I was like, wow, you did a lot of sensible things. That is the minimum <laughs> that U.S. managers have been failing to do before, as in namely pick your European players who are in good form. Exactly, um, yeah. um, however, where he failed miserably is with the center forward. Like yeah. uh, he, he has multiple other options. And okay, you know, Jordan Pifak is starting regularly for Union Berlin, who were leading the Bundesliga through 10 matches, right? And sure, he's not, I'm not saying he's a world beater and he would have like solved everything, but he is a legitimately good player, whereas Ferreira is not, you know, and it's not really his fault. He scored a bunch of goals in MLS, sure, but you can't just bring in an MLS poacher and, because un, unless you bring him to a very different game, if you throw him on late, when you need a goal, that's one thing. Um, tactically, the Netherlands are the most interesting team, I think, just because it's bizarre what he does. I'd like to see how this will uh, line up against other 
like better teams. But what what I what I mean by bizarre is Dumfries's positioning as this like uh this is a totally <laughs> asymmetrical team. First off, like yeah. this five, it's not really a five at the back, but it is. And Dumfries as a wing back immediately when they get into possession, they switch into a back two if they can. Um, it, it, like dip, but. Um, the right of the back three goes into right back and Dumfries goes yeah. straight into the wing. So how do you deal with that? If you lose, the, if you turn the ball over, then you have to be not only prepared for the uh, the counter, but you know where the overload is going to come in the counter. So Dumfries, multiple times, you found him playing 1v1 against a center mid because the U.S. left back, Anthony Robinson, was caught way too high. And yeah. it so this was, and I think Van Hal said something damning in the after post-match interview about how mm-hmm. well, the U.S. didn't adapt. It was because exactly. he, uh, this was naive. And you compare it to Morocco against Spain. There was nothing naive. It's like, look, these guys are good. We're not going to leave anyone high. And like Van Hal really tipped his hand. He didn't do anything different from the first few matches in that regard. He's so you know that this huge overload is coming on your right on your left back side. So your left back can't bomb forward. And that's what happened on the break. The break was beautiful. And it was, you know, Depay coming into midfield and adding an extra player after you've already had an overload, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. was just scrambling to get back, wasn't picking up runners. You can criticize what they did on the play, but they were so poorly, uh, they were so poorly positioned to stop the break to begin with. I think yeah. that's one of those things. And then in possession, Jesus Ferreira was trying to the first interesting thing i thought that he he did differently uh van hal for the u.s was that he realized that okay tyler adams is really really good and he's the kind of if the central three was a v with a holding mid he's kind of the holding mid in that and so he just he like took david clausen at times david clausen is just man marking tyler adams and so it was just like okay if reem is on the ball one of the center backs in the ball he had the only ball he could play in was Jesus Ferreira to feet. Uh, Reem is is picked up. I'm sorry. Uh, Adams is man marked here and over there. Uh, uh, Weston McKinney was also man marked. So if you have a center forward who is, and by the way, the U.S. do, they could have just started Giorena as a false nine. They could have done a exactly. lot of things. But instead, they had a subpar center forward, and I felt bad for him because he's standing there completely flat, like when you don't want the ball, <laughs> so you're not going to be on the half turn. Uh, yeah. You can contrast it perfectly. Like, look at the body shape of Joe Felix today in the Portugal game. Mm-hmm. He's just mm-hmm. immediately on the half turn because he knows mm-hmm. he's gonna. He wants it. And here, this guy. It was just the saddest moment where he just looked over his shoulder, saw Virgil Van Dyke, and you see him just drift away <laughs> like, in between, where, like, where, where, hide behind like, nah, the other. I'm good. <laughs> I don't want this ball. Just, just like, leave me alone. And so I think it was partly. It's sad when a tactical. Uh, like a tactical system is so good and at the same time you have weaknesses that you you have to adapt and respond and Morocco on the other hand like really did a great job with like padding their weaknesses mm. and not you know against Spain so you couldn't exploit that team just like 4-4-2 with like a low block but it was so compact that it you could it must have been see it looked like a 4-5-1 sometimes uh so, yeah, or it was four five one essentially when, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, the U.S. tactically just got it wrong as well. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, I mean, <laughs> these tactics with, I mean, what Mark, you were saying about the first goal. Now, you know, if, if you look at the last two days of the first round, you have a fair number of comeback victories. Germany won, you know, being down. Japan won being down. South Korea won being down. Switzerland won being down. Um, and of course, you know, the whole World Cup hasn't began with that shock victory of um, Saudi Arabia coming from behind. Now, in come to the second round, you have, well, there's no, no, there's not a single um, comeback victory. So maybe if you want to count Croatia, Japan, as in I think Japan had the lead in that match. So, um, oh, and then Croatia came back and then won on penalties. But it is like, Tactical analysis and all, but it's it's the first goal seems to be becoming. Well, I mean, I guess it's just a couple of days that we're Winner. talking about. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and then like you were saying, this struck me because if Pulisic had scored that, I, I would have wondered what sort of game the Dutch really had, yeah. considering what sort of um, how. But that's why exactly. Yeah. So then look at Morocco. They didn't. They were never. They never scored. They didn't have to. You know the. Yeah. The, I think yeah, they had the two chances. They had the two chances. Morocco had the yeah, two best. Yeah, they had chances. better. Yeah, yeah, and better chances. U.S. didn't even make chances at yeah. other than that post-it chance for a while. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That naivete, and I think that's what yeah, exactly. Hall was saying. You can't yeah, you, if you know you're not going to finish, or you just you, you can't be that naive that you just lose the game in the first goal, and then you just crumble like that. It's, you know, and that's what it's they like, did. It's. I mean, I think you were making around like the Leeds U.S. comparison. It's pretty apt. It's just. It's a one note thing, which which would be fine. But you made the point with Morocco. Like, there's a team with no depth. I'm forgetting that you. We talked about it earlier. But the guy who came in. What's the forward's name on Morocco? I mean, the guy is. Yeah, they're I, second. I mean, I could, the backup striker and the backup left back. They're forget on, the uh, left back for yeah. a second. The striker. I mean, the guy was in on goal, did not I'm even get a shot away. I, I mean, you you don't see no, not that in level. Mysteri. And this played very well, but the, the no, second, no, the Buffal. guy who came on. No, no, not Buffal. No, 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 off the bench. Off the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> just about it. if you watch the game, you'd see him. He, he just he, when he he was in on goal. <laughs> and was unable to get his shot away, and he got the ball yeah. taken away from him, like as he made the backswing, and then made like a really yeah. surprised look. Um, yeah, he yeah. was surprised, uh, like as if he got fouled or something. It's, no, like, it's like man, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> move, man. I mean, he just looked. I'm not making fun of him. I'm sure he's a class player in his own way. No, but, but the drop off, as you're saying, yeah, the drop off in the series to him. So that's a team that you know is dealing with much. It's a more top heavy team. And uh, the U.S. isn't that, so you'd expect uh, this team not to. Okay, if it's going wrong after 15 minutes, like make make an adjustment, um, change the tactics. The, the like like Ryan was saying, the center forward was not working. You needed someone who was going to play and combine. The Dutch were sitting deep, um, and they didn't they didn't change it. Like Ryan was saying, and the commentator, the U.S. commentators have been doing a much better job. Like they pointed that out, they're man marking our midfield. So there's nowhere to go with the ball except to the center forward's feet or um, or out wide. And our, our wings weren't playing particularly narrow. It just, we couldn't break them down, but it's not like um, the case in other teams where we just don't have the reserves to break them down. Um, I think the U.S. is nearly as almost right there at the level of Netherlands, except for that tactical acumen and um, maybe just the, the real class in terms of the finishing. 
Um, but yeah, in terms of like the Morocco game, I thought the I thought Morocco game was absolutely fantastic. I was rooting for Morocco pretty intensely um, because they have you know I thought the the standout player was was Buffal's, um, and we were talking about it on the phone with the, the double move where he made from a standing start and left the player. Yeah, but it's it's just it's not it's not that um, I it's 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 interesting because I I I think watching that game. There was a sense, and of course, I I thought Germany was going to win the tournament, so I don't have like the deepest sense of what's happening. But there was a sense early on that Spain was going to have a lot of difficulty breaking them down. Um, not yep. that Spain, yeah, and and that's something that Morocco um, was set out to do, and and has done really well. And they didn't look particularly dangerous on the counter either, but they posed enough enough of a threat um, to keep the game in contention. Um, really cool to see Morocco. And I think they're in with yeah. a fair shot against Portugal. I don't see why not. I I kind of don't think so because um, <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, because partly I, I, I just think they'll be exhausted after that performance right. in part. Yeah. You know? And they had, uh, so they were really compact and they played with the four in the back with um, uh, Sofiane Amrabat like right in front as the holding yeah. mid. Yeah. And Sofiane Amrabat was everywhere, but he can't, do that for 180 or like another <laughs> 120 whatever the next one will be um and I, and i also think like spain if they just move the ball quicker not even the, yeah. the bodies just normal spain spain against costa rica the passes just have to yeah. be quicker i think that mm-hmm. was all it was when shifting right to left and that played into morocco's hands that they could shift it and get in position every time because the passes were played so slowly right to left and I don't think Portugal will do that, especially it's a big question how they how they line up. But if they play with Joe Felix in the 10 fluidly like they did today, I think there'll be much bigger spaces that, yeah. The thing is, Ashwin, to, to return to your point about like, you know, Xavi and Iesta, you know, being older. I mean, that's obviously a fair point. But in order for the system, the Spain system to work, you know, you have to move the ball quicker in these passing patterns. But at a certain point... I'm not saying whip the ball in or, or take shots from distance, but your true your true maestros have to start doing something a bit different. Um, right. There's no plan. If it's B. not working, it's not, it's not necessarily that you just need a plan B. I just think there's an X factor. There were X factors in the yeah. team that allowed Barcelona to succeed. Obviously, you had Messi, um, yeah. but in the Spanish team, you still had an Iniesta, a Xavi. Who okay, they're not just like Pedri. I was watching. I mean, he's he standing, had a great. He had a great. Sorry, Mark. Just to to yeah. talk about exactly what you are. Pedri had an opportunity to do something different. Like once Llorente kept getting caught high. Even the American yeah. commentator pointed this out. They were almost interchanging. He was going into the right yeah. back position. It's yeah, like okay, now you have a different angle. You exactly. can put in a different ball. You can play one twos. But instead, he put in a couple of lazy cross yeah. field diagonals that got cut out, and he didn't do anything in that new position. Exactly. Um, you know, it bothered me. Got beat, yeah. It bothered Gabi, me. What, what he did is he came on as a second man when Buffal turned inside twice. <laughs> and when when you have, you know, when you're a weaker team and your winger draws two, you that's a problem. So that Gavi just got pulled out, essentially. Sorry, we, what bothered we talk- you? No, we were talking about Rabio last time. And what bothered us about Rabio is he's so elegant of a player, but it doesn't actually translate into, into anything. Typically, it's just 
elegant, but he just can only play simple passes and he plays them really daintily and, and, and he doesn't move the ball quickly enough when it needs to be moved. And I'm, and I was watching Pedri this whole tournament and I was thinking exactly that, that like, not this whole tournament, but uh, in, in certain, in certain of the, in against Germany, I watched that game very closely to see what he would do against that, you know, elite midfield. And he's very elegant on the ball, but I don't know if it was Enrique telling him what to do. It just seemed like all he was doing the entire tournament was sitting in that pocket, adamant that he receive it. And then as soon as he received it, just giving it right back to Busquets or just shifting it out to whether it was Alba, uh, whether it was um, whoever was outside of him, whichever side of the, of the six he was playing. And um, I just think you need in Spain, obviously, I, I think I, I, I'm sure you both did as well. I think there was a sense that Morocco was going to win that penalty um, shootout. Of course, that hindsight is 2020, but I had a strong sense going into that, that look, Spain needs a goal here. And you can see Luis Enrique like really frantically managing during, during um, the extra 30 minutes. He's flapping his arms everywhere. Um, they need to create the goal. And they were unable to do it. Um, and in the end, um, I don't. I, I still, Ashwin. I still think Germany is the best team in this tournament. I think <laughs> if I had to do it all again, and if we we're starting all again, I just think Germany is so much better. Germany, I think, would have demolished that Moroccan team. And I think. Um, and I, I just, I just wanted to say a word for Germany before moving on because I thought, in terms of like we're talking about tactics, the German yeah. tactics were okay. If you think about Spain. Spain had the same exact results as Germany. They they beat Costa Rica, they lost to Japan, and the, Spain and Germany drew each other. So it was just a goal difference against Costa Rica. But Germany's tactics, they play this, like, the Bayern Munich, like, complete, they're blitzing the other teams, but their wingers are really narrow. Um, and and they're not leaving a holding midfielder um, to, to they don't have like a Conte type holding midfielder. Their holding midfielder was either Gundogan or Kimmich, and so they're joining into the play and they're not particularly defensively sound. And their wingers, their wing, their outside backs are really high. So like in a Man City type system or a Spain type system, the team is you know advanced up the field, but they have a ball retention philosophy. Whereas like every time Sane is getting the ball, Musiala is getting the ball, Gnabry they're almost seems like they're being coached to play these really risky, like one twos and they're not mm-hmm. wide. And they're, so it's like Sonny gets the ball. He just cuts in just like what Messi does. Yeah. He's just like <laughs> looking for a risky one, two. And why is that your, why is that your approach? Um, it's, it's such an unnecessarily risky approach against a worse team. Cause the counter is what I was, because yeah. I was trying to figure out what is happening. Why are they so vulnerable to the counter? Why are they giving up so many goals? Sule and and Rudiger, that's perfectly, you know, it's perfectly fine. Back to yeah. their midfield are really good ball retaining. What's happening? And I see that, like, I don't understand the German. So, the German, but let me just make, let me just, just to complete the thought, just so yeah, before yeah. I, I have like a neurotic tick about. No, no, this yeah, thing. I want to talk happening? about this too. Yeah, yeah. Because Hansi Flick, like, I think there's something really interesting with the German. I can't imagine, you know. I, we're we're kind of saturated in English media because we watch the Premier League more than others, but there's something very odd and particular about the German um, culture, and that I can't imagine like England crashing out and there being so uniform of like a response from like English players and Eng- and English just the whole punditry like being like we need to revamp scientifically, we need to revamp like how we're training 
players. Like that seemed to be the message coming out from Hansi Flick himself and just from like the intelligentsia, like Schweinsteiger and, and, and others. And I thought that was such a bizarre and like scientific and abstract approach when I thought the actual, the actually player for player, they're fine. Uh, I thought they're better than pretty much every other, uh, every other team or, or just in there with a shout. Um, so I think it's really strange um, and uh, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to generalize culturally with the Klinsmann, you know, got us into trouble already, but it just seems like a particularly German thing to, instead of just view, viewing this as um, a problem with tactics and say, look, you can't just do the Bayern Munich thing, in a in a one-off tournament, you're going to get blitzed on the counter. Yeah. Um, it makes sense over 36 <laughs> games, this German team would beat these teams, but in a two game, is that really how you need to play against Japan? Like why? Um, so I, I just thought that was very odd. I don't know if you saw that comment, Ostrom, but it's like Hansi Flick came out and he's just like, we need to completely change the way that, you know, we train our footballers and like our youth have not kept up with other European teams. Yeah, what do you think, Which Brad? is it was- ridiculous. Yeah, right. I think it's ridiculous. And I, German managers always end up saying something stupid like this. Um, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> in the end, it covers up their own faults. Like even Walking Love left last time when they dropped a bunch of players and switched after the Euros. Um, he was just saying, or during the Nations League run, he was like, yeah, we need to rebuild. You don't need to rebuild right now. Uh, you have all this talent. You need to do better. Uh, but I, it's interesting what you're saying about the one twos and getting high. I I think one of the things that would come out of this matchup is just that like the Moroccan fullbacks are really good at defending. So we'd see them. It would be interesting to see Mazraoui having to go against Sane and yeah. Hakimi. Like one of the upshots of like defending deep like this and compact is that those guys could play one v one both on mm-hmm. the ball and off it and yeah, yeah. sort of like show their best. And I think they did. Um, so yeah, yeah, I wonder if Morocco could do the same with them. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, in short, when you're talking about the one time that Morocco went forward too much and le- like w- were, was reckless, they almost got scored on too. Yeah. You know, like there was that kind of ridiculous part where in the late in the second half, uh, the ball is with Abdi on the left wing, and uh, who was the Atiyat Allah, the, the substitute who came on uh, as left wing back? It was just terrible. <laughs> I don't understand if you're running outside and overlapping, and you see the ball yes. with the sky where he went to somehow cross it, ended up tackling Abdi from the outside. It was the most ridiculous thing. But why was it so ridiculous? The, the thing is, the only thing you should be thinking with that angle is that, oh, we don't want to get caught on a counter. I'm going to hang back or just keep running, like whatever, not do the risky thing. And that's what Germany, like you're saying, was never doing for some reason. They were like, they weren't worried about the risk. And you can't do that against Japan. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So yeah, it's obviously a managerial thing. And as much as we complain about Southgate, he got it right in so many ways because he never, he refuses to let his players do that for sure. You know, it's always such a cautious approach, um, which, you know, if we talk about Senegal and England, I I kind of have to give props to Southgate because I saw the team sheet. I was like, this is terrible. This sucks. Like, why is Jordan <laughs> Henderson starting? This is Southgate yeah, same, all over again with same. this nonsense. But my God, Jordan Henderson was was amazing. And like 
the Bellingham, the, the thing I said at the beginning was like, well, if they, the old cliche, if they, if they unleash Bellingham and let him like do his thing, then it'll be fun to watch. And it first few minutes, first 30 minutes, it looked awkward that he was playing almost in this 10 wide left-sided 10 inside forward role. It seemed like, and he's never going to get on the ball. So uh, it's just going to be these weird diagonals that uh, Kyle Walker plays from right to left. And, uh, they looked for the overload with Shaw and Foden on the left. Shaw was overlapping sometimes. And, like you saw what they were doing. It was way too deliberate. But then once they scored the first one, again on that killer break, uh, these l- runs in behind from Jordan Henderson, followed mm-hmm. by 60-yard runs back to drop short from Jordan Henderson, it was joy to watch. <laughs> it was like, and this was the way to unleash Bellingham. And like, um, yeah, England is is looking good, which is maybe not a good thing, like what you're saying. Like maybe because he worked against Senegal because Senegal was missing so many players and uh, depleted. But yeah, Yeah, maybe they only win when they don't look good. Yeah, That's what, yeah, I feel like not enough has been said, at least in the commentary that I was watching, that Senegal was without Kiate and and Gay. <laughs> How ridiculous I mean, is that? This is their two center midfielders. They were talking about San. I mean, uh, you know, whatever. Mane, Mane, yeah. But, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not saying that's racist. It's not racist, yeah. but it's ignorance. It's just ignorance. Like you can't yeah. imagine, you know, England playing without. Uh, I don't know, Declan Rice and also else. the depth problem. They started Napoli's Mendes, Mendy, yeah, who, yeah. like, he hasn't gotten a game for Leicester yeah. in like a year and a half. Yeah. Brandon Rogers, basic, he didn't even pay, include him in his squad when Indeedy was, uh, was yeah. injured for a game. This is yeah. ridiculous, like, that level of drop off. So, yeah. Austin, do you put, you put England in for, for a chance versus France or what? I'm just, I mean, I've been wondering about the midfield, as in, like, France have, that's their problem, right? I mean, even, uh, I mean, not that the Poland match was a challenging one, but it was very dependent on Mbappe and Dembele making those runs, and I think the last two goals were a little odd, that they forgot Mbappe is one of the best players, and you should probably cover him and not give him a free shot in the D. But I, I'm just wondering, I mean, think that's where it's going to... Like, that, that's that been the problem. I mean, that, that's been the issue with France from the beginning, right? Is Rabiot and Chomeny, um are, are they going to... Sell but it? I, yeah. Yeah. With the Declan Rice, Henderson, Bellingham. I imagine it may be unchanged. So if those three, the main... How does that work out? And, I think so, yeah. So I, I think... That's a good question. I think... I thought that they were going to be much worse than they are. Like when we talked about this before the tournament, yeah. I was like, oh, the midfield's an issue because Chamonix isn't going to be up for it. But him as holding mid is working out pretty nicely, I think. That, uh, yeah, Mark, what do you think? Because another thing is Griezmann is dropping in as essentially attacking mid. He's like part of that mid three, right? It's uh, And it lets Rabio be himself. And Chamonix is. I guess that year playing yeah. for however many months at Real Madrid has just made him solid. And um, so, yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought they've looked fine. I, I think, like, I, I think the, 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 you know, Ashwin, I remember you mentioned, you said, like, when we were talking about the very beginning of the podcast, what's the signing of the year? And you said, like, Chalbani, because that's a very difficult position to, to, right. to have. And, and, 
that's something that like uh, Declan Rice Declan Rice is, is a very competent uh player also but I don't see Declan Rice um and uh you know Bellingham and Henderson really dominating uh you know uh, I don't see them that's how they're um, they're winning a game um and just to to complete a thought earlier like with Germany I I, I can't imagine I think Germany is a tactical anomaly in that they play without that Chalmini role. They, they don't have a defensive midfielder. And the only other team that I can, because Ryan was thinking when we were having our Busquets debates earlier, is like, you know, you don't want that Busquets role to die in terms of the holding midfielder just being a pure passing player. But the only way in which that role can really function is like how it does for De Jong in, in Netherlands. He has to be, um, you know, he has to be dictating the game and has to be keeping possession. The The German system is, they play that frenetic style and, and they don't have a player just holding, holding down the position and making simple passes. It's all dynamic. They're all moving all over the place. Um, it's very bizarre. So in terms of like the stability that Chalmini provides mm-hmm. um, w- with Robbie, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. And the reason that's not a problem is because a Griezmann is playing uh, much better than um, I-, I expected coming into the tournament. He's linking up play really well. And Mbappe gets all, the press, um, okay, he probably should. He has, what, five goals? Giroud. Giroud. Okay, yeah, Giroud. But I was going to say Dembele because yeah, I, yeah, I feel like Dembele, fire. if you're watching, if if I'm Dembele and I'm watching Mbappe, I have to be thinking to myself, how come this guy can do all this but I can't? Like, what does he have that I don't have? And Dembele has, is more two-footed than, than Mbappe is. Dembele beats his man, I would say, just as easily as Mbappe beats his man, if not easier. Um, he doesn't have to even do any of like, the scissors and tricks. And it's just that composure in front of goal, it seems to be the, the difference. That like, Mbappe, like his finish was world-class, where, where he roofed it um, for the second goal. And it's interesting, like uh, Deschamps was just yelling at him to come back. I don't know if you guys saw that in the thread. Like Mbappe was hanging up. Poland was kind of pushing at, at, at one nil and you know Mbappe wasn't getting back on defending at all which might be a problem against England but and Deschamps he get off his bench runs up towards Mbappe and he's waving him to get back and Mbappe doesn't and the, even the commentator is like Mbappe doesn't seem to be you know like responding <laughs> and he's just and then about 45 seconds later they just played Mbappe the ball you know and he was behind the defender and he scored that ridiculous goal um so I think that the reason why this is kind of a circuitous answer but the reason why I'm not worried about France in the midfield is because those their two wingers can just advance the ball by themselves about 40 yards every time if they want. Like I think Kyle Walker is going to be in big trouble. Um, yeah, what and, about and I think, Walker and Shaw? Like, <laughs> they're good enough. I to... mean, yeah. no, no. Luke Shaw versus Dembele is he's. Got, I mean, that's I don't what think worries it... <laughs> me because I think I think Walker is fine. Like I think I still think. I'm still with Neymar on this. The more I watch Walker, like I know in the Champions League, he made he made a mistake in huge games. He's prone to make a mistake, but he's amazing one v one defending. I think like, and so I'm not worried about him defending one v one. But that if anything, that French, like you pointed out, that left wing for France defensively is would be worrying for me. And yeah. like, they inexplicably got better going forward when Luca. 
when <laughs> Luca Hernandez got injured and because his brother is just he's another winger. He's so good, Teo Hernandez going forward, but he goes forward so rapidly that I think with Teo Hernandez and Mbappe on the wing, uh, like Chomeni is going to have to drop into that space because when they get high. Um, so I, uh, that's where I think England, if Saka has a good game, they're going to, they'll be joy. So, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Like that's where, that's the French where it's, it's a little, if it, if there's a problem, yeah. then the team is there, right? That's what England have to exploit if they're to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. I still, so, I still fancy, I, I fancy, fancy fans, I fancy France. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Fancy France. Um, yeah. I do too, just because. Well, just because it's like this tournament. <laughs> insurance thing. for. I, I, I will be rooting England. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, for yeah, me, I'll be whoever beats Portugal well. is is this you know, the one. I I I, I think. France do you want to talk a, about that game? Have a better. Well, what are you, What are your thoughts Portugal. on the Portugal game, Ashwin? What is that to say? It's a six-one. Like it's basically. <laughs> but, the, but the only thing is that I mean I know we had this discussion on chat, but. Um, the main thing was getting rid of the player who's keeping you down, right? I mean, and letting the other players play in the way they can. Jao Cancela? <laughs> no. He's also to, left out. I meant yeah. the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> the one who sulked on the bench. Well, he didn't sulk as much, but I mean, I feel sad for him. But yeah, I think that, I mean, it can't be a coincidence that Suddenly, this all these players who are who have phenomenal attacking talent and have shown it for their clubs. Um, are of course, yeah. I know that relatively well. Young if we just deal with yeah. if we deal with nil nil and one zero, right? Uh, like after two nil, it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, like at nil nil, it and even at one nil, it looked like Switzerland was they were doing certain things. Uh, if Embolo he gets tackled two or three times where they could have been yellows. Um, I think if you get an early yellow from a defender that changes the dynamic somewhat, but I think they were naive. The same sort of thing that like that we were saying with, with Poland versus Argentina, you've seen how this team does against five in the back, right? Like you've seen the same thing with Portugal. They didn't respond well to five in the back against Ghana, a Ghanaian team that wasn't otherwise you know, they they defended by having their outside backs just kind of get tight to whichever winger was there. And at that point, Portugal had no true striker and was trying to like both Felix and Ronaldo were dropping mm-hmm. in and trying to do all these different things, getting on the ball. And, and it wasn't working at all. So why would you try to you got too brave kind of, I think, Switzerland. Yeah, they played some absolutely. semi nice stuff and thought, again, we can. Uh, yeah, like this is a a league game for our clubs. We can go forward and make some risky passes. You get turned over in transition, and these guys looked amazing in transition. Mm-hmm. Jaus Felix was so much deeper than he played in the group stage, and he exactly. looked tremendous. And I get when Nuno Mendes, I think he's fantastic, but the difference between him and Rafa Guerrero was yeah. like just as far as system was just immense. Like there, Nuno Mendes at one point in that game just. He just kicked it up the line and sprinted past two players because he can do that, which is great. But what happened at the end of that 
yeah, they exactly. lost they lost the ball, goal kick. And so here the flow is much better because Rafa is just trying to play in and and combine. Um the same with Ottavio, the same with uh yeah. But with and, rapid uh, transitions, you can't do that with Ronaldo, right? Like the thing is, um sure. I mean, of all those goals, all six goals, the only one that I think can be sp- scored with him on the pitch is the third one, where it was a cross and he managed I, to I actually don't think like you can He's still fast enough that if you have him high as a starting position, these guys, it's really just a matter of reference point, right? They they play with slower p- players as strikers than Ronaldo now. He doesn't have to be the one. He finished that when he was offside, for example, right? The lefty one. And I think you'd get things like that. The issue is with him dropping off and starting. If he goes wide, if he, he's just too slow to start off. But wide, I think there's something, you know? I mean, his touch... His touch no, is I not, think his touch is really good. I mean, it's, not in this World Cup, at least. I mean, if you look at so many times, he's got yeah. the ball and he's just messed it up. I mean, I've he's lost I've, it because he doesn't have the pace. But, but well, the touch is not to do with the pace, right? The pace is when yeah. you have to run. So, but like when here, he, the first touch itself, sort of, and he's sort of. It, it wait, are you saying out. Ronaldo's not good because his first touch is gone? At this moment, I mean, in this World oh Cup, God. his his touch has actually <laughs> left him. I mean, it's. I mean, you can go see the highlights, and you know, I mean, yeah, like there, so. There was he did it. He did a scissor. He tried to get past, and it wasn't there. I don't think that's a. This happened like I mean, four times. Look, look. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying yeah. the pace. I'm not saying getting past. That is something that you know Messi barely does anymore as well. But I'm saying when he gets the ball, his touches deserted him. I mean, often. I mean, look at the highlights. I mean, you you sort of can see it even there. Yeah. Let me say, you know, for for you know, for the listener, I'm in their position because I I turned my phone off for the game and woke up to him. But a <laughs> fifty-page interchange. Fair, I text. really don't like Ronaldo. I, I'm not defending him in another level. I just think, yeah, you I want don't the think criticism to come from the angle that you want them to come from. I no, think. No, my, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not saying that. Not the angle that I want. I'm just saying. His touch looks to, to me. I don't think it's that his yeah. You know, like his his first touch looked good in the Ghana game, but that was one of the things. He's killing it dead because he doesn't. He gets in the box and he takes one man on. In the it was Mohamed Salisu at one point, and his first touch looked fine, but he killed it dead and did two scissors and shifted it wide and lost the ball. Right. And, and that's just because he's slow, I think. You know, I think that's what I kept seeing over and over. And it looks very ugly if you let him drift because he's just not good exactly. enough anymore. But the, but, but the, 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 point, the point is, I see your point. The, the thing with Ronaldo is that if he was to play with tactical discipline as a pure number nine, it might be fine. But he, you're not, he's not going to do that. It's not, let me say, no, let me just complete the thought, you know, because I, I think if I'm understanding Ryan's position, it's that if, if, if Ronaldo um, was playing in a nine and Jao Felix is playing off of him instead of alongside of him and Ronaldo is just staying high as the sort of link um, in, in a play, his lack of pace um, isn't as big of a problem and his first touch is still fine. His finishing acumen is still fine, Ryan's saying. But as, yeah. as I'm hearing, it's just that when when 
Ronaldo is going all over the place and still trying to do young Ronaldo things, even mid-age Ronaldo things at Madrid, it just doesn't really yeah. it doesn't really work. And then you have a forward exactly, and then you have a forward who comes on Ramos, who just does what a nine is supposed to do, and he just gets three goals. Granted, they were pretty well taken goals, but they're goals yeah. um, that you just get with the right movement. But the thing with Ronaldo, it's it's kind of what you're saying. Also, it's like with his psyche. It's you can't complain about his psyche being, you know, um, this narcissistic guy. He's kind of an asshole. He's kind of all about himself, all um, because that's what also made him a great player in the first place. Uh, so it was also on, Mark, move. Mark. The thing is that, that that's all true. But the thing is, I don't <laughs> think that's. I mean, I, I, okay. I mean, here because Mark's saying a, that that's the reason he wouldn't follow directions. Simple. Directions. Yes. No, no, exactly. I, I, I know what you're saying. What exactly. I'm saying is that is not the problem over here alone. I mean, after this, because now we're sort of discussing fact, and you know, this is not. I agree with what you're saying that he can't do what he did, used to. He can't go past players, etc. What I'm saying is that's not the only problem. You look through their matches. I've like you guys have watched them, and it's possible, you know, either I, I don't think I've forgotten because one of my favorite things is to see what Ronaldo's missing apart from Messi's <laughs> And you will see very often this is not a matter of that he's trying to go past two players and can't do it, or even one player. The balls come to him, and this is his first movement in this World Cup was he got the ball, touch was miserable. It went too far, and the keeper didn't collect it exactly, but he couldn't get the shot off because the touch, the first touch was terrible. Have a look. Have a look at the match against Korea as well. It happened yeah. twice. It was sure. Shots... Like forwards can have a bad touch sometimes, but I don't think that's the issue with Cristiano Ronaldo. That's my my point. You know, the, the, the yeah, the thing. Yeah, the issue. I I I mean, I'm I'm somewhere in in, in the middle and and around. I mean, Ronaldo is having. I mean, he's he's having a strange moment in his life. He's dropped from Portugal. Well, he's thirty-seven. Uh, you know, he can't play forever. So I know, but it's it's odd to be dropped in the middle of a tournament. It's like it's it's yeah. Because it, it, I think like Ryan's point in the exchange was okay. You know, to the listeners unaware in in the Korea game, Ronaldo gets subbed off in the sixty-fifth minute or thereabouts. Makes an angry gesture towards the coach. Look he's at the highlights, guys. This is not because of the gesture. It's because he doesn't. No, no, no. I'm with anymore. you. I'm, yeah, no, I'm with you. But, I'm completely with you. I'm completely with you. So he's in bad form. He's in yeah, bad form. But, I mean, but I'm forgetting that forgetting the Korea game. Yeah, he wasn't playing well in the Korea game, but like no one was. I mean, in the first, uh, the first two, then you know, yeah, like Ghana, in the Ghana I mean, game is a good yeah, in example. The Ghana, I mean, maybe he can touch pause was... it and look at the look at the chances that he missed. It was based on yeah. touch. wasn't based on the fact that he had to get. No, away. no, no. Like the Salisu example I gave, like he had two of those where. Yeah, where he's trying to cut in on his right foot and he just doesn't have the pace to do it anymore. Okay, well, so Ryan, what is your, is your overall point? position? Ram, what no, is your point? My, I was responding to <laughs> the, the initial only thing, the point. Only thing that I can <laughs> it was a response react. to the initial point, which was he was saying that the goals wouldn't have happened with Ronaldo in it. It would not and have I think, happened. <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. Less ridiculous, though, than the idea that Cristiano Ronaldo is bad now because he doesn't have a good touch. Okay, so okay, basically, what you're saying is what you're saying is that if they played a similar game and just Ronaldo, yeah. I mean, because, you know, they would have won, you know, with as much comfort ease yesterday. No, I think they would have won two 0 So what's the what's the <laughs> difference? So basically, so yeah, if, so Ronaldo's playing. 
If Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's playing, score four goals, to nine. Us, but in the end, Ronaldo's not the issue, right? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, because it would have been a different game. I think with him, you have to play at a different pace. You have to, like, that's why I think you, you won't get, if you have this sort of half-court game, let's say, to make the basketball analogy, then I think as a striker in the box, he's still got a fantastic first touch. He's, a, he's still got the finish on him. Like that left foot strike, doesn't matter that it was offside. Everyone was still playing, right? That was he That's still the had that. After the World Cup, yeah. the one disallowed. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Well, let me ask you a question because the other highlight would be the foul when he did not get fouled and scored the penalty in the in the first match. I thought that was one of the more conspiratorial, yeah. one of the more conspiratorial moments I had early in the tournament when him and Messi both got ghost penalties in the first match. Anyway, it was very soft. If, yeah. yeah, if we have Ronaldo playing in a number nine um, with discipline, like you're hoping to play, what what club team, forgetting all the ego, if you strip away the ego and the name and the and the payroll, what club yeah. team would he be playing for? What club United, team would he play for? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, United is not there anymore. Yeah, know? the discipline thing, and one of the reasons I think if he just plays the number nine, because he can still jump. That's another thing. There are a lot jump. of center forwards who... <laughs> Who can't? And he's in terms of first touch and shielding. It's still that was one of the things in the Ghana game that impressed me. Still, it's like, oh, you can still shield and turn, and you oh. you can't do anything after you turn, but you can still shield and turn. And that's why I think it would make the transition well if he did that. For Juventus, granted, he was much more mobile then. There are a couple of games when when Douglas Costa was wide and uh, where they tried it and. Most of the times, the rest of the games, he just stripped it wide. And, you know, he can still do a job. I don't think he's fast enough um, to play anywhere else, basically. Um, so, yeah. The only thing club, that I would, I don't know that I would agree would with you with that. on, Ryan, like if there is, he can still be an impact player even in this World Cup. And let's just say there are stalemates. And it's not unlikely to believe in, in this stage of the tournament that there are going to be stalemates um, where nothing's really happening. So you get him on and you're basically floating the ball into the box and hoping something happens. That's right. the only scenario where I think he may sort of... He's not as good as Goncalo Ramos, you know, Gonzalo Ramos or uh, Rafa Leal. So yeah. that it's in, in the it's interesting. context, yeah. It's interesting. We were talking about the Panopticon. I don't... I think the Portuguese national team should get <laughs> Santos they should spring for the Serie A package you know the, the, I don't think the guys seen a Serie A match this year um, if he can't if Rafael Leal can't get into that team um, it's pretty insane. shocking it's it's really weird because I agree I agree with basically everything that's been said um, about Ronaldo that he's he's off the pace um, he's off the pace in, in, in every way and and um, he seems like just like a bit of an asshole at this, he's in a very petulant moment in his life uh, as well. But the fact that he has this guy comes into the game, scores a hat trick, and then he should also be behind <laughs> like uh, Rafael Leao. I mean, this is a hard team to get into. Renato Sanchez yeah. didn't even get into the, the team. Renato Sanchez was just brought into PSG to be their, you know, <laughs> their main holding midfielder at the start of the year. Jacques Cancelo got benched for seemingly just straight tactical reasons. I mean, he's like probably the best fullback in the Premier League. So this Portugal team is a very interesting and bizarre 
um, team very difficult to get into at the moment. Do you guys see um, um, like a consistent uh, 11 in the next match against Morocco or do you think Santos can change anything? The other part that he like that his switched has that has been good, I think, structurally is just like um, the the midfield okay. that William Carvalho and um, uh, Ruben Neves and then Pepe in this weird <laughs> like free Pepe role next to Ruben Diaz. Um, so I don't think he changes any of that because partly he can't defensively. Um, it, uh, the Nuno Tavares injury means. Yeah. Sorry, Nuno Mendes. Um, yeah, Nuno Mendes. He can't play. He, the changes he made, he has to stick with. I think um, you can't take off the guy who just scored the hat trick, even though Leo should probably be starting. Um, another thing about those goals, though, like as I don't want to say much about Leal. That's like you can't take anything. It was a nice, nicely taken goal, but he also had no one marking it. Like after two nil, the Swiss just had no one back. It was. Um, it was kind of insane how much time and space everyone had on the break. Um, but still, Rafael should be playing, I think. But there's no room for him, right? Bruno Fernandes is just playing better than he has for Portugal. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would make room. I would make room for him. Who would you take out? I would, I would take out... Uh, I would... Mm, well, João Felix is played really well but coming into the tournament there's no way I would imagine Jao Felix getting in my starting 11 ahead of Leao I thought I thought yeah. it'd be Leao and Ronaldo um, yeah just bite the bullet but the fact that he took out Ronaldo and Leao still can't get into the team yeah I mean the fact that Jao Cancel can't get into the team is 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 really interesting you know <laughs> like him him and you know Trent Alexander-Arnold both it, it, it's, it's seeing the discrepancy between club it's just I'm, he I needs keep, to get left back. You need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm thinking it's just it's 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 bizarre the the discrepancy between international and club management. The only the only team in which there doesn't seem to be a discrepancy, the only nation and team, it's the it's synonymous. It's Bayern Munich and Germany. That's the only players where they're playing exactly the same in the national and in the club setup. And it just did not translate at all. Um, and Mark, you that's have bizarre. a really extended Germany morning period in this show. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's 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 because I'm having like almost like a you know like this. I didn't I didn't want them to win, but I I have like a, like this intellectual itch where I feel like they're the, the best, and I don't understand what's happening. And they have Hansi Flick. I mean, this guy won. This guy. Can we point to another manager who who yeah. is at the who's in the is is in the prime of his uh, intellectual career? Won the Champions League, won the treble, and then joined the the the, the national team setup to be the coach to prep for this tournament. Um, it's just a bizarre. You know, you're used to these Deschamps, the Santos. It's just usually very defensive and lazy tactics, um, but those seem to be doing the job. So that's I guess why I didn't get the. You know, no one consulted me for any of these sorts of things. Ashwin, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about your boys, Argentina? You still, are you liking I mean, what you see? The thing is, I mean, <laughs> I just wish one last thing because you'd mentioned this earlier that how they, how the Germans explain their own, um, whatever the fallacy. <laughs> but there is, I think, some <laughs> that you're not. 
I mean, I also disagree with what he said, and I think there are probably the simpler reasons for why they lost. But it's a nice. I mean, you when you think of the German team, Mannschaft, there is a collective. I mean, that's the idea, right? A collective spirit. So here also, there is a trashing. In the sense, there's something gone wrong in the very uh, spirit of the kingdom, right? It's not like okay, if you had a better striker, it could have been very different. It's just there; it needs to be rebooted in a complete sense. So it may actually be more cultural than than one imagines. Coming to Argentina, yeah, I was wondering how you guys thought Argentina is going to sort of solve basically Van Hal, right? It's it's. The, the couple of issues, one is fatigue. I mean, of course, Netherlands has also played um, as many matches and it's not like they had a rest game either. But and I wouldn't have been confident of Argentina going through in extra time had Australia managed to take either of those two extremely good chances they had. It was Seriously. really, really painful to watch them at the end. I mean, even the last chance, basically last kick of the game, was Messi giving away the ball. And this time it wasn't because he was trying something. It was just, you could see he's literally exhausted. And um, same with DePaul. He sort of is the engine in that midfield. I think that's going to bite them. It, you know, Hopefully they'll, they'll manage to get past Netherlands and we'll have to talk about how. But after that, I think whoever they play, in likelihood Brazil, you just see that they're going to be, I mean, it's going to be running out of gas over there. And that, that's going to be as much of a problem as playing Brazil and the fact that they are um, imperious in every way. The thing with Argentina, it's still the left, which sort of doesn't really blend well. Um, Netherlands does sit back a lot. At least they did that against USA. So that might sort of help Argentina in a sense. Because whenever I've seen, like in the last three or four matches, when you've seen teams pushing them, it didn't happen with Poland or Mexico that much. Well, Mexico in the first 40 minutes, yes. But when even Saudi Arabia pushing them, they sort of, it's they play with a lot of nervousness. And it's it's doesn't really, it's possible. I don't know what, I mean, the thing is, I don't know how Van Hal sets up because he is a kind of tactician who, it's not like a, well, it's set up the same way every game. No, but he also does. I mean, their their game, the way they, as a manager, he is a little more innovative, right? Depending on what the other yeah. team. I mean, he's not as yeah. much of a okay. Only thing has changed is the specific marking of the center midfields. But otherwise, what's been so surprising is that he's done something very strange and stuck with exactly the same thing for four straight matches. You know, the the asymmetric wing back high right wing in so he's going to he's going to sit back in this match too as in he's going to let argentina bring the game to them that's what i think so yeah. in terms of changes this is interesting because argentina i think scaloni has made the most changes like yeah. structural large changes in terms of personnel and tactics to go with it mm-hmm. so it will depend on who argentina picks if he picks papu gomez again and where he puts him, because he's played Papa Gomez up high left wing and then in the uh, left side lower uh, in, the, in the midfield line. So that'll be weird like if he does that again, because I don't think the ladder worked at all. Um, but 
Yeah, I think he'll keep the with Van Hall. I think he keeps the same five. The only question in terms of selection is whether he starts Darun or Coop Miners, right? Because he's set on Klassen and De Jong and Gakpo in Memphis up top, right? And then the question is what defensively when they sit back, it's more what's what'll make the shape of the game, I think, will be what he decides to do in terms of marking. Because that's what he did again. Like the weird thing he did when he put Klassen on Tyler Adams. Yeah, yeah. What's he going to do with Klassen and Messi? Because if he yeah, says, because Messi's been in that 10 role and they've been trying to get him more central, but he ends up going right and or starting up in a, picking up the ball, wanting to pick it up uh, in the right center half space anyway. So if he stays centrally, do you think they, I, it might be that he just puts Klassen on Messi and says like, man mark him. Yeah. Um and then the rest of the shape would just take around there. Um, but otherwise, Dumfries is going to be high when they're in possession. It's the same thing, I think. You break and you have him high. In which case, like you said, that left side defensively is going to be the big question mark. Yeah, I think I think they're... Uh, tactically, it'll be interesting, but I think these are two fairly mediocre teams. Um, uh and uh, yeah, to Ashwin's point, it's there's something about Argentina which they they, they look it's labored. Every right. game is it's really labored for a top top team. Even when they find their their flow, it seems to only be in isolated moments. Okay, we just scored a beautiful goal, but then it's very like when Spain has the ball and they're keeping the ball, there's something fluid uh, happening. When Argentina has the ball, it looks. It looks a bit confused. It looks like they're waiting to see um, where Messi is, um, and uh, I don't know. I think that's a. I think this is very think, much a. Do you think Di Maria is going to start? I hope he Depends does. His injury, right? Yeah, I hope he does. That, they I think really them need without, him. They really, really. Yeah, need them without Di Maria, that's a completely different team. One thing. One thing they were doing very deliberately, which bothered me, and was this like DePaul with these uh, underlap runs. When they yeah. had Di Maria out wide right, and then yeah. it, two games exactly. ago against even against Poland when it worked, it worked for that goal, and it annoyed me. DePaul, uh, Di Maria out wide right, and then DePaul makes this stupid underlap and goes into the box. He gets the ball and then he just cuts it back. But yeah. it, it's like what Mark you've been saying from before about this naivety. Like, why is your one of your center midfielders that high? You yeah, you yeah. lose the ball like sixty percent of the time when you drag it back like that now you're just yeah. completely that center midfield is gone and other people have to shift so yeah. i i think that was a problem against mexico when mexico played 5-3-2 and if that if they do that again against holland's 5-3-2 or the netherlands is 5-3-2 i think they'll just get murdered and so i hope he doesn't do this because DePaul is in there so he can make these stupid runs he wants him to make yeah. these stupid runs and it's just a risk that you don't need to take when you have, you know, this front three and Enzo like swinging it right left. And I think McAllister was fantastic next to Enzo because precisely that, like when they swing it, you have these ball players that can pick another incisive pass. But I don't know if he DePaul just is a very good player for Atletico Madrid. But to your point about the left, I mean, that's been the problem for four games now, right? Like, either Acuna sits back and he's a very reliable defender, but ahead he doesn't have the ball skills. 
And I really hope they don't play Papo Gomez. You might as well play the goalkeeper <laughs> in that position because he's really not good. I mean, there's nothing that he contributes. So, <laughs> it's Maria... really sad. Yeah, it's it's like he used to be so good, but he's just can't. He cuts in on this right. You know what he's going to do every time. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, do exactly. it anymore. But he does it with such emphasis. He really yeah. cuts onto that right foot. Like, yeah. really shredding his knee every time. angles it farther back and farther back <laughs> to keep it away from the defender now because he's older. It's just not good. But Alexis McAllister has been great. Yeah, yeah I think uh, those... I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a one-off game at this point. So any team, I think, except for maybe Morocco, unfortunately, I think is in there with a fair shot of winning the tournament. But uh, Argentina and Netherlands both look, you know, they look worse than the other top What teams. I think they should do, like, I think it, it who you have on the ball deeper will matter, will be, like, much more important if he could just play Lissandro instead of uh, Christian Romero, for example, exactly. in this game. Because that, like, different diagonal, different long balls are going to be on every now and then, and you need that. Like Lissandra, I think is just fantastic on the ball. Yeah, defender. exactly. You need the yeah. you need the, the 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 cutting passes coming from different angles and, and di- I'd different start positions. Paredes instead of DePaul. I know he nah, is a liability. In different not going to happen. Nah, never. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do DePaul it. DePaul yeah. does too much for them. He's like the, he's the lieutenant over there, right? Who's providing the energy? Paredes. Paredes it's from, energy. Paredes. It's like it's like yeah, nervous energy. Yeah, it's completely it's like that. The but that's that's the Enzo game is the doing three. the job. Yeah, it's like Enzo is doing the do- job of two players because DePaul got caught so high and we lost the ball. And oh look, DePaul is making a sixty-yard run late to like defend after we give up a corner. It's a uh, it's very in, frustrating. In terms but, of yeah. losing the ball, well, you know, we shat on Cristiano, but Messi has lost a lot of balls, you know, in dangerous positions in this World Cup. No, no, I don't mean like bad lost the ball. I mean just because that's what happens, you know. Right. I, I don't. Th- I, th- I think Messi was really great against Australia. No, he was. Messi, he definitely was. Messi is great, but it's true he's losing the ball. More. And they led to dangerous positions. I mean, one of course it was scored against Saudi Arabia, but it's not like oh, yeah. okay, and then they made up. <laughs> the thing is with Messi, yeah. Messi, it's like um, it's a real, it's almost a sporting enigma. I can't really find a comparison in another sport where a top player is competing for the most important trophy of his career, and he does the same thing in Champions Leagues. And it's almost like by principle, he does not run back. There's key like it, that's the first thing you're taught in sport, like in, in soccer. Dude. Like if you lose the ball, you sprint, you sprint back. I think that's like the first like mantra that was recited into me once I was on a team. Messi loses the ball where it's very clear, like now there's now a two v two to yeah. goal, and the score is tied, and, and he just looks, and it's like, yeah. well, man, what is happening? Like why does that not get called out? Like Ronaldo, <laughs> all of his antics get called out. That doesn't get get called out, and Messi yeah. does it in. But but he, I guess he can do it. I don't know. I mean, he's walking around. And like Pep said, you know, when he started doing this, he was like, Messi is turning walking into an art. And yeah. All of this. It's like he is in a way. And, and Luka Modric does the same thing in a, in a slightly more, you know, understated way where he's just finding his, his spots and he's also dragging the defense here and there. But there's something to be said for like. But Messi is walking, what you just said, dragging the defender. There's is, no but... one who drags the defender better than because there's always someone draped over him. Like there's no one who still gets man marked in that <laughs> ten roll anymore, right? Like 
it's insane that <laughs> the Mexico did this too, where, uh, and for a while it was, uh, oh man, what's his name? We got Gordado for just Gordado. man marked him and he just walked away twice. And one time he, he did like a pick and roll, just walked around a teammate <laughs> of his and the defenders had to switch. So it, it's remarkable that, that still happens, even if he doesn't have the pace. So, yeah. Yeah, like the last game to speak about Brazil, Croatia. Uh, I, I'm curious what you think, Ram. But I, I have a sneaking, a very strong sneaking suspicion that Croatia takes this. I think they. <laughs> no. I really do. I really do. Um, I think this Brazilian team. It's not just like a contrarian take, you know. I've been wrong enough. I'm not trying to be wrong again on air. Not, you know, for all the, the people that are listening and then betting, you know, their life savings on my picks and this. But the, Brazil has Brazil has not faced a team yet in in, the, in this tournament. The, um, they um, they 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 played against Serbia, who's probably the you know the biggest miss for me in the whole tournament. I mean, in terms of a team that has Tadic, Jovic, Mitrovic, and Vlahovic all in the team. I mean, that's that has to be among the, yeah. the I mean that's ridiculous. Like how could it, anyway, so Brazil, you know, ha, has not faced that much stiff uh, competition in the team. I think with Croatia, they have a very, very coherent midfield. That's one we talked about, you know, uh, France having a problematic midfield. I don't think Casemiro, Paqueta, and then Neymar in that holding ten role are going to be able to do it against Brazovic. Modric and Kovacic. So I think absent an early Brazil goal, you're going to see a situation in which there's a bit of nervousness creeps in. And the fact that, you know, Brazil has been a failure on the international stage with this generation of players, um, I think can be, can be a, a factor. Uh, I've seen Perisic. Perisic is just a timeless, a timeless figure. Um, and I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a one nil or a two one to Croatia. I, I think Croatia also hasn't played good, good opposition. Like Belgium was terrible. Um, the only real, uh, I mean, Japan. That was like that's fine, but they're not like you know. They beat not... Spain and Germany. Spain exactly. And... Teams... Yeah. So, so what that <laughs> says, the good point there is like what that says is Croatia won't be naive and. You know, but they went down one nil, and yeah, they got got back in there. I just think Croatia's played like four teams. I really like the Croatian players, but like the what's his name, uh, is it Barisic, the left back. I don't think he can actually defend. I think a lot of it comes down to are your wing backs, your full backs, really going to be able to defend these guys? That first five <laughs> minutes against Canada showed like them against actual athleticism. <laughs> they got <laughs> shredded. Yeah, they got shredded. <laughs> Vardial is really good, the the Salzburg, I'm sorry, the RB Leipzig player, but Lovren is like 50 years old now, and I've yeah. seen him get shredded too many times. I, I think the defense is going to be a problem against these guys, and and yeah, Brozovic is older, and uh, the midfield is older, and Brozovic is worse, th- I think, than he's been showing at this World Cup, just because of how he plays for Inter. I love that they made Mandzukic an assistant coach. <laughs> he's just he's just a, he's went straight from center forward to coach within one cycle. All right, guys, anyway. who's playing who's playing the semifinals? Uh, oh, yeah, we gotta pick winners. Argentina, Brazil is not your semifinal pick. 
Mark, obviously. I I I mean you're picking Croatia. Someone else, someone else, someone else go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I picking with my what my heart, like who I want to win? Yeah, oh, pick with both, your heart. Both, okay. Yes. Pick, pick right. with the soupy hearts. The heart right, that the knows heart. all. <laughs> the heart that I, I want it to be Argentina, Brazil, and uh Morocco, England. But I think what'll happen is the exact that, opposite. Except is, Brazil. Except exactly, yeah. I think it'll be Portugal, France, and Netherlands, Brazil. Okay. I can't pick with my mind when it comes to Argentina. I think I think they'll still <laughs> sort of go through somehow. Um so I'm I'm still sticking with my semifinal, yes. Argentina, Brazil, and Hart obviously is Morocco. I don't, I don't really care about England or France either way, but it's just that Portugal. From we are post-colonial subjects, <laughs> and we have to we pick our empires accordingly. You know. Well, it's Portugal, France, England. You know, with if they were just Spain, and Charles, it have been he's a, a true he is empire. the Sufi king. <laughs> Charles um, is. I think it'll be France, Portugal, France, Portugal, but you know, in the end, and Brazil, Argentina. I have to say, if England wins this, that would truly be, you know, I I, I don't think we can talk talk trash about England or Southgate anymore. If they if they beat this France team, I think it'll be the true, you know, announcing that this. Even if they don't win the World Cup, I would consider that a successful tournament. Um, I that said, France definitely. <laughs> um, Morocco no it, it it won't happen I don't think for Morocco Portugal happen, has no. to, it won't happen um, yeah so it'll be Croatia and unfortunately I think Netherlands um, I, it, there's something tragic about this Argentinian they're just not very good it's 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 really that simple. They're they're yeah. just. Not I don't know. Good. I. I, no, think I mean, I root. I like them. Well at, I root for them. Yeah. They look okay. They, they really man. struggle they look, with with a with a five in the back. But I think they, if, yeah, they struggle so with only, a five in the back. Only, I think Netherlands is the type of team they could beat. Netherlands, it's going to be a very unless there's an early goal. I think it'll be a very cagey match the entire way through. But Argentina, my man, Enzo. my man, yeah, my man, big. Argentina is like this. They're, they're very weak. Only two teams have come for them the entire tournament. Saudis came for them one. Mexico came for them. And you know, aside from the 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 you know the last 20 minutes of the match, Argentina looked like they didn't want any part of it. So I think it's just a matter of time until they get picked off. I wish it wasn't going to be, but maybe if Netherlands beat them, let let them down easy. So they don't have to play Brazil and lose five nil or something like this. The semis, you know, something like this could happen, you know, or play Croatia, which is more likely to happen. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll join you again next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>